My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. My Penn State classroom is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steven Jodderand. Joining me, as always, is Jake Wachoba and Armand Kafai. And on today's episode, we look back at the U.S.'s 1-0 win over Carousel. Listeners, if you haven't done so, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and follow us at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. Now, Armand, Jake, this is Tuesday. We have a massive game today, USA versus England. Listeners, we did do some previewing of that match. Go back and listen to Monday's episode. Talk a lot about England-USA. Armand, are you more excited for this match than you were for the France-USA last Friday? Yes, and you can actually figure out why I am on the pod. Oh, tease. Oh, you got to plug it. You that is a, a professional tease. tease if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, you, I, can't, I can't give away everything. You got to listen to the pod. I'm not going to give you a little... I'm going to give you a preview. I already did a preview. Yes, good man. Hey, Jake, you really think this is going to outdraw France, USA, TV-wise? Uh, yeah. I, if not, it'll come pretty damn close, I think. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Fourth of July is two days away. But, listeners, let's get to Sunday night's match. And honestly, where the hell are we even supposed to begin? Where are we supposed to begin with this match? Reading from Jeff Carlisle's piece on ESPN.com, Dateline, Philadelphia. Just over a minute into second half stoppage time, the U.S. was clinging to a 1-0 lead in its Gold Cup quarterfinal against Carousel. And U.S. manager Greg Berhalter opted to make his second substitution of the night and bring on defender Omar Gonzalez for midfielder Paul Ariola. Logically, the substitution made sense. Gonzalez's aerial ability would Helped see the game out. It paid off as the U.S. ultimately prevailed, but emotionally, the effect was different. The move encapsulated a night that was utterly underwhelming. In this match, the U.S. wasn't facing one of the region's heavyweights. It was facing Carousel, whose national team was only formed in 2011 after the dissolution of the Netherlands Antilles and its roster graced with veterans of the Dutch League. Sure, Curaçao has been the tournament's surprise package by reaching the knockout stages of the Gold Cup for the first time in its history, but it was still ranked 79th by FIFA and considered one of the minnows. Wow, guys. It, it looks like people are starting to be really confused, baffled, and all right offended by the lackluster performances of this U.S. team. 
Yeah, so, Stephen, before we jump into, you know, what we thought of the match, just talk about basically what happened. We saw Weston McKinney go in the 25th minute, and then it kind of went downhill from there. The U.S. only had 48% possession, 52% to Curacao, 10 shots versus 15. And you know what? It was not an inspiring performance by the U.S. men's national team. But I just want to take take us back to when we recorded a little preview episode, and I said, hey, don't overlook Curacao. They're actually not that bad. You guys talked about a layup. They they break that layup, I guess, if that was a layup. I mean, yikes. Uh, I don't want to tell you guys. You guys are going to take Jill. Take Jill. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. Jake, have, we're, not, have, we're not in take Jill. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that replay of that Steph Curry layup where he goes and he slips? No, that's, but... I, that's I, what this I, feels I, like. Honestly, you should do... Honestly, I, I feel like you should compare it to a Nick Young gif. That one, too. This should have been a layup. This is more about the U.S. just laying a turd on the field on Sunday night. That's what that's all this. Is. That's what this was. You can't sit here and tell you, well, Kurosawa is just this great footballing power in Concacaf. But no one's saying that. No one's saying that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, somebody Berhalter commented on Kurosawa. In fact, here's the question and Berhalter's response. Opening his press conference. Why did a starting 11 that was playing together for the third time um, seem to have so much trouble making the runs you want, sort of being active, being in sync? Why did, why did tonight look like the first time they played together and not the third? I think, first of all, um, you know, congratulations to Curacao. I think we should talk about that. You know, I think they played, you know, they played an excellent game. You see they have clear ideas in their buildup. Um, their, their goalie's excellent with his feet. And it's to me, it's a great story. A really small country like that being able to come to this tournament and play the football that they play it was great. Um, having said that, what I'd say from our group is, you know, we had the opportunity early to put a couple goals in, and we didn't do that, and we kept them hanging around. And then they were very compact. And for us, it's about it was about moving them out of position. Their midfielders were man to man against Weston and Christian. And our, our job was to move them out of position to now find Jossie or find one of our wingers in the pocket. And especially in the first half, um, you know, there were times when that came off and it was okay, and then just times where there wasn't enough movement to, to, to execute that. What a total sidestep of that question. For real. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, – What are you I doing? Was, I was shocked. What is he doing there? What are you doing, Greg Berhalter? Come out and say it that your team sucked. Because that was the... what. Let me ask you guys this. Was that worse than the performances leading up to the Gold Cup and those friendly losses against Venezuela and Jamaica? No. No, but... No, not even, they, got, no. they got the win, so, I mean, there's that. <laughs> That's the one positive on all this. But they didn't, they didn't look good. They didn't look good at all. And to sit here and let a country like Curacao dictate play for a majority of that match is embarrassing for the U.S. men's national team. I agree, Jake. I 100% agree. I think it was... It, it, it didn't make sense. And, Stephen, you can pull up these clips right now of Berhalter talking about uh, why he allowed it to, to seed pressure. But he talked about it in two separate instances in the press conference. And what he said, it, it didn't really make sense it was almost contradictory what he was saying 
And to me, Stephen, if you want to play the clips right now. Here, here it is. Greg Berhalter on the decision of not pressing. Was the plan to concede a bit more possession in the second half, or was that kind of just game flow? And well, we weren't going to press the goalie. You know, you saw in the in the first half at times the goalie didn't want to play the ball forward, so we were happy not to not to fall into the trap of trying to press him. We thought it would cost us more energy than it was worth, and so we we dropped off and, and mostly didn't didn't press their goalkeeper. You know, the interesting thing about this game, and, and when you look at both in Copa America and Gold Cup, right? You look at these quarterfinal matches. They're all tight matches. You know, I think you guys wanted us to go out here and beat them 5-0, but we knew it was going to be a difficult game. And you look at all the quarterfinals so far in this tournament and, and Copa America, they're all tough games. You know, these guys, they know there's no tomorrow. They lose. In this game, when we had the lead, you know, we have to make a decision how we want to, how we want to approach the rest of this game. And we felt that when the goalie had the ball, if he didn't want to play forward, we're winning the game. So we'll we'll let him we'll let him sit on the ball. Look, combine that with another quote we had earlier in the press conference where he talked where they talked about the synergy between Pulisic and McKinney just not being good because of or Bradley McKinney, excuse me, because of the pressing and the inability to press. Guys, my biggest problem from this and my biggest takeaway from this. Is I think Borhalter thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And in reality, he isn't. He's trying these concepts that the U.S. players just can't do. I don't think they planned on seeding possession like that. I think what happened was he realized his team isn't good enough to press and do these things the way he wants them to. So he was like, okay, I guess we have to go back to what we revert to doing and just do what we're good at, absorb pressure, and try to hit teams on the counter with our pace on the wings. I think that's what it's really saying, to be honest with you. I think there's a huge problem in that Greg wants to do things that this pool just can't do. And this is terrible because it shows, I think he just, I think he just thinks it's too smart. I think he trying to make it too cute. I bet you if you give it to a guy, potentially like a Jurgen or a Bob Bradley, hell, even a Bruce Arena, they can get you a win in a 3-0 or 4-0 fashion. I think Burhalter overthought this. And I think that's why you saw this result play out as it, as it did. Yeah, that's an interesting note there, Armani, thinking that he is too smart for everybody. And <laughs> Jake, <laughs> Armand's telling us the players now suck. He's not wrong. The players, let's face it, there's there's not much talent on this team. But on the flip side of that, See, I disagree. I'm sorry. I simply cannot buy that notion. I just can't. The talent, the the talent comment. Well, 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 a good national team coach. Let's think about it, guys. He can't sell. He can't buy players. Okay, but but here's the thing. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. Why it was a lie. Strengths. You do. This is a question we threw out. In January, on whether or not Greg Brawlter was going to eventually cave and put a system around the talent that is the U.S., or is he going to be stubborn and he's going to hold his system and bench and just mold these players and maybe even force them, ha- having to put all his might to force them to play the style he wants to in his system. But I do not buy this notion that the Americans are not talented. Weston McKinney. Where does he play? Schalke. Christian Pulisic, where does he play? Chelsea. Okay, where's Zach Steffen playing? 
du- Dusseldorf on Long. Dusseldorf. <laughs> but he, see, there is talent on this squad, and you cannot tell you me. Named, but you named but no, 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 no. But no, wait, wait. You cannot tell me that those three players cannot muster enough energy into the team to get them at least a two nothing win over the seventy ninth team in the world. Well, if they can't do the 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 principles a coach wants to do, who's that on? The U.S. women's national team is dominating everybody because coach has no tactical awareness, but they their talent the is carrying everybody. Stephen, they had the best players in the world. You can't sit here and tell me that Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic are some of the best players in the world. But sure, you, they might be the best players in the U.S. men's national team, but they are not the best players in the world. Okay, this but we're not comparing the U.S. to the world. We're comparing them to Carousel. Yes, but you just compared the women to the rest of the world. So it, it kind of is the same comparison here. You cannot play the way Greg Berhalter wants to play with this team. It is not talented enough. And I put blame. I don't put blame on the players. The players are who they are. You cannot. I'm, you can sit here and say they're not. They're not as good as they have been in past years. That's fine. But the coach also needs to recognize these players cannot play my style, and he needs to make an, a, a tactical adjustment that better suits their playing style to get the most out of them. He cannot force them to play this possession-based football where we play out of the back. He can't. He cannot force that because he is not training with these players day in and day out like he would if this was a club team. They should still have beaten Carousel by a larger margin. They should have at least been able to hold majority of the possession. We're comparing the USA but, 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 to but Carousel. Steven, Steven, if your coach instructs you, hey, don't press, pull back, absorb pressure, what are you going to do? You're not going to go off okay, and you're sure, not going to go off but then and, Greg and get Berhal- the ball and possess. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. But Greg Berhalter should have the awareness that, nah, this, this isn't benefiting the U.S., Tell me if Sunday night benefited the U.S. No, it didn't. Not it, it, No, there was no benefit to the U.S. And, and in fact, I think if anybody watched that game from opening kickoff until the end, I think it actually harmed the U.S. I think there are more people today who are discouraged by what they saw than those who are confident with this team heading into their match on Wednesday against Jamaica. Yeah, listeners, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, send in your thoughts. Question of the day. What was your initial reaction following the 1-0 win over Carousel? And guys, I want to continue giving our opening thoughts. Armand, you kind of broadened it out a little bit there. But <laughs> I, I, we're talking about the players on the pitch. And I still question whether or not they have the passion to play for the U.S., Greg Ballhalter gave the captain's armband to Christian Pulisic for the first time in 2019. Do you know how many different players Greg Ballhalter has used to be captain for the U.S. this year? A lot. How many? Six. Jake? How many captains has he named? How many captains has Greg Ballhalter named? And we're July 2nd, 2019. I say three. Nine. Greg Berhalter has used nine different players to captain the U.S. this year to spread leadership duties among the players. That's asinating. I'm sorry. After three or four, you have a real big problem if you cannot find the, the captain of this team. Greg Berhalter might be a phenomenal coach tactically, and he might be really good with really talented players. 
if you and Armand are correct and think, well, the team's not that talented and Greg Berhalter is stubborn, there, there's a rift going on. And then, then, and then he's, he's just shelling out the captain's armband like it's candy, just passing it on. Who is the emotional leader of this U.S. team? What happens if they go down one nothing? Because this team has yet to go down. Who is the emotional leader? Where is the passion from this U.S. team? Because I certainly don't see it. It is not an honor enough for them to represent all of us. I know, at Steven Jodder and at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Am I wrong? Am I wrong to think that? I don't know if passion is their... I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's I don't weird. Think, I don't They're think weird to watch. They're weird yeah. to watch. There's definitely a rift there, though, between the players and the coach. And I don't think Berhalter's the right man for this job. I'm going to flat out say it. I've kind of been saying it for the last couple of weeks. But everything I've seen since he's taken over, I, I just don't believe he's he's cut out for this. But he I don't think the players are buying in. I don't – like you said, there's not passion. They're not passionate. And when I listen to his press conference, he's very cerebral. He's very soft-spoken. You know, he just does this. And, you know, Carousel was really good. And I just – if I was a player – Granted, I don't know what Beralda's like behind behind closed doors, but just hearing that, I don't. I, I wouldn't be able to get up for a match. You know, I, I get in my face, you know, challenge me, push me. Don't don't be this this almost like Zen master type thing where you're gonna, you know, work your magic on me by using your words, you know, softly speaking to me. I I don't know. I I just think, and I think I wrote this down as our biggest as the biggest problem. Steven talks about pride. I, like I said before, I think he just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He he honestly couldn't comprehend. I, I don't think he could comprehend. Now, Presser, if you listen, he's like, we won. We won. We played a way that would help us win this game. He's like, you got. He said, you guys expect us to beat us, beat them five zero, and we didn't. Look, it's it's not it's not. Look, if the U.S. won one zero, and Eli Eloy Room was forced to make tough saves after a tough save and he kept them in the match then i think oh the narrative is completely different you're talking the, the about a goalie completely different kind of stood exactly. on his head you got one by but it was in large part unlucky that the us didn't score 100%. more but you take the result and you move on you say look you're going to have some of those nights where you will literally 100%. win nothing and you'll have 20 shots on target here's greg Balter on the overall performance as armand was talking about we're happy that we're advanced to the semifinal um, you know, despite the tone in here, we're happy with with the result of this game, and that should be said. I'm proud of the guys for their effort, and um, and now we move on to Nashville, and we know it's going to be a good game. We know Jamaica's a good team, very robust team. We know they have some good attacking pieces, and our job is going to be to to break them down and um, and really take advantage of some of the spaces that we see being available. Um, we we played them in. Um, in the beginning of June, we're, we're familiar with them. We were watching all their games, so we'll come up with a plan that can hopefully work. Greg knows it's okay to take a dump on your players after a win, right? It's okay to say, hey, we won 1-0, but that was a poor performance. How many times have we heard, and this isn't the best example, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to not like this example, but I'm going to say it anyways as, as, a, as a Chelsea fan of the show. How many times has have we heard Jose Mourinho just take a huge dump all over his team? They might have won like 4-1, and Jose is in, in the back outside the dressing room, and he's just talking about how crappy the performance was. You know, 
we gave up a goal. It was not a good performance, you know, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> How many times have we heard that from Jose Mourinho and, and, and other managers? But here's it's okay. It's okay to say we did not perform well. We are fortunate to get a one nil victory. We're on a Jamaica. It's okay. Jake, you're on to something, but it goes back to the captain's armband. I don't think Greg Brohalter has somebody he can trust in that locker room yet. I don't think there's an individual player where he has the full confidence of. I just don't think the captain arm the captain's armband is what prevented them from scoring two, three, no, four. No, you're right. No, you're right. Seller. And I'm no. talking about a separate talking point altogether. I think that the captain's armband is a good illustration to show the problems that U.S. soccer have, the problems that this U.S. men's national team have. They, they don't have a leader. They, have, they don't have a leader on multiple fronts. So far, in this Gold Cup, the U.S. has not trailed yet. I'm waiting for them to go down one nothing. And then what is their response to it? Who is the emotional leader? Megan Rapinoe is the emotional leader for the U.S. Women's National Team right now at the World Cup. But who can you say on the men's side, I know it's just the bleeping gold cup. I get it. But still, who do you point to and say, that man right now is leading the U.S. forward? Who is it? I think he's sitting in Germany. You think, I think he is too. Tyler Adams I think is, is I the, think Tyler the leader. Adams is, is the leader of this team. As crazy as that sounds, everyone wants to pick Christian Pulisic. I think Tyler Adams is and by the way, I'm not gonna come on and say it right now. And Alexi Lawless challenged us on this a few months ago, and I'm starting to see the light. Tyler Adams is the best player on this team. And Tyler Adams should be wearing the captain's band whenever he decides that he wants to play for the red, white, and blue. Add right back though. <laughs> That's a, that's a completely different discussion. That is a completely different discussion at right back or at the number six. But Tyler Adams should be the captain when he makes his return. Armand, I'm looking at the show notes, and you wrote in, was Carousel ever really a threat? Um, Are you trying to bail Jake and I out of jail? No, you guys you guys can still stay in jail. Still stay in jail, please. Uh after all, after all that, all that yelling to, to mention how Kyrgyzstan is half decent. Look, the the XG numbers, uh, according to Paul Carr, uh, 1.86 for USA versus a 0.6 for Kyrgyzstan. I know it wasn't pretty that the U.S. receding possession left and right. I think we all agree that that's not ideal, and honestly, that shouldn't happen. But the only real shot that really was a concern in my eyes, and I think the XG said so as well, was that shot from Bakuna, uh, that late save that uh, Zach Stevan had to make. I think it was the only shot that really boys a true threat. Yes, if you have the ball, you know, you can obviously be the protagonist, go after the game. But according to the numbers, they weren't that much of a threat. That much. They sh- it should have been a layup. Should have been a layup. Listeners, you guys had great engagement during and post-match. And I don't mean to single out this person. He does bring up an interesting point. At Jason's phone bill. I'm sick and tired of the armchair football manager all over the American soccer media and Twitter landscape who has absolutely no idea what they're talking about trying to act like he or she is Pep Guardiola. We won. Don't like it? 
find another team. Hashtag U.S. Men's National Team. I like it. it it's a hot take. He's got a fair point. Survive it's in also, advance. It's, I, also, it's also a burner account for someone in, U- in the U.S. Soccer Federation. Oh, how do you know that? I don't know that. I'm just saying. Like That's, that's, what, that's what it looks like. That's a spicy take. I hate, like. I hate responses like that. I'm... S- <laughs> I'm so sick of, if you don't like the team, even if they're winning, even though it looks like crap, go find another team. I hate people who say stuff like that. I hate people who can't be critical of a team, even when they're winning. Okay, but but what about the narrative of survive in advance? Because I do think that's a legitimate argument to be made. And saying, it's the Gold Cup, I brought it up. It was like, I don't remember who wrote the, the piece for NBC Sports, but I brought it up, I think, last week. Where you're basically saying, well, winning the cup doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine if the U.S. had lost a carousel. Then would we be saying winning the cup doesn't matter? Hell no. It does matter. You, you like the grinding out a 1-0 result? You like? You think that's the narrative you like, here? You like that? That's cute. Doesn't winning the cup matter? If they go on to beat Mexico in the gold cup, one nothing, or in penalties, does this really matter? Can you just say Greg Brohalter led a bunch of talentless players, according to you, Jake and Armand, to the Gold Cup final no, I'm not saying they're talentless. I just said they couldn't do Burhalter's strategy. I know. And I'm putting words in your mouth. I know. I know. I know you like that. You like that. So you can get these uh, takes out of me or something like that. But, no, look, the, the thing is, at this rate, they will not win against Jamaica. I know we're looking forward and saying, oh, you know, revisionist history shouldn't be a thing. The fact the fact is we're gonna the fact is this match against Curacao, who I even said they shouldn't overlook, it's still disappointing because of the way they played. Look, so you can say survive in advance all you want, but survive in advance in the Gold Cup won't get you uh, anywhere to anywhere really close to winning a but knockout not, stage game. Who cares? This Gold Cup is so far from an actual World Cup match. You're saying the foundation, though. Yeah, I, no. Winning, winning is the foundation. That's really what matters with this U.S. men's national no, team. No, it's not. It's not. No, no, I, I disagree. Tell me I when disagree. the last the last time they played a significant game, they lost. You need a winning culture. You need to go in there and clean house and say, we're winning here, and then we'll let the momentum build. Because winning ultimately masks all the problems. And if they could win this Gold Cup, Burhalter buys himself time. He shuts up the fans. He shuts up the media. The players go off as a winner. They can flaunt their little trophy and their little medals at fans. You could ride this high. It was Jake that mentioned that this federation needs some good PR. Yes, the U.S. women's national team winning the World Cup, which is probably most likely going to happen, will be a huge PR wave. But if the attention turns to the men's game... Trust me, losing this Gold Cup will have ramifications. Surviving and advancing is an important narrative in this Gold Cup. You know why? Because getting a winning culture back with the U.S. men's national team and back on the Greg Berhalter will allow him to do some more experimenting and try to figure out what the hell's wrong with this national team. And getting to play this fun style that he, he really is ambitiously wanting. Speaking of Greg Berhalter's ambitions and this style he's trying to play, let's look at his record in 2019. 
The U.S. men's national team is 7-2-1 in 2019, having kept a clean sheet in Winning all culture, baby. seven wins. Winning Let's go! Culture. Bump it up! The U.S. men's national team is now 2-0-1 all-time against Curacao, formerly represented as Netherlands Antilles. They are 2-0-0 on home soil and 1-0-0 in CONCACAF Gold Cup play. Two previous matches came in 1984 as part of qualification for the 1986 FIFA World Cup. You can so there lock you go. the winning culture, but let me tell you, when they lose this Gold Cup to Mexico and get embarrassed on national television, is it is it the same day that the U.S. women's will lift the World Cup? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're gonna come back and say, "Oh, but Steven, only if they won. Oh, Steven, only if Let- they have won." Let me tell you something. The best thing that happened to this for this men's team right now in this Gold Cup run is the fact that the women are playing in the World Cup right now and are about to win uh, their fir- fourth world championship because for as much negative PR or as much crap we're giving the men, attention is diverted to the women right now. And I think if the women weren't playing right now, there would be a bleep storm for yeah. the men's side. <laughs> Good point, Jake. Listeners, send in your thoughts at Sam Soccer Pod. Last question for you, Jake and Armand. And listeners, we will do a Jamaica preview Wednesday morning, so be on the lookout for that. We'll obviously be talking about the outcome of the semifinal between the English and the Americans. But Jake and Armand, 30 seconds total in time. What's worse for the U.S., losing Jamaica or getting embarrassed by Mexico in the Gold Cup final? Getting embarrassed by Mexico in the Gold Cup final is worse for the U.S. than losing to Jamaica because there will be a lot more eyes on the Mexico match than there will be on the Jamaica match. I think, Stephen, you said it a couple episodes ago that you would not be surprised if the Gold Cup final that featured the USA and Mexico would have more viewers than the FIFA Women's World Cup final and, and even the Copa America final. So for me, getting drilled by Mexico would be far more embarrassing than losing 1-0 to Jamaica. I'll take the opposite take. I'd say losing to Jamaica, uh, a team that's predominantly USL and lower uh, kind of MLS players and obviously Leon Bailey uh, from Leverkusen. I think that'd be a lot worse because you only get to that stage where you get to play Mexico and that thing you lose right before to a, a team that, is, that you're perceived to be better than. It should it, if it, if it happens, I think it's much worse for the United States to lose then than to actually lose in the final. Well, Armand, I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see how this uh, Gold Cup tournament unfolds. Listeners, send us in your thoughts at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. You can follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Jodoran. You can follow Armand Kafai and his scoops. He's got scoops now at Armand Kafai. Chips in the dip. Chips in the dip, and you can follow yours truly at Jake Watroba. For Stephen and Armand, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. 
You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer.